Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Fritagna, alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And Drew, I got some new digs, man. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, still working from home for this week, but Nonetheless, I'm in the I'm in the town of Chris Stapleton. There's a lot going on. George Strait played this weekend. Country music, vibing, moving into the new neighborhood. A lot to like. Drew, are you are you a Titans fan yet? Not yet, but you know, I've um, I was thinking about I was thinking about you over the weekend because I remember I had a friend of mine a couple years ago, a couple years ago, a while ago after college, he moved to to Washington. Washington DC and he's like he's a typical southern uh college student graduates and what I mean by that is like you know it's it's football baseball maybe a little bit of golf right moves to DC and then all of a sudden it's about the Washington Capitals and I never really understood it and I still don't but moving to Nashville there's a little bit of like curiosity that I can't explain about the Preds that I'm excited about because work is downtown, right? Broadway is right there. Bridgestone Arena is right across the street. And all of a sudden now I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Preds schedule and it's not like it's like hold on, I got to get I got to get behind these guys a little bit. Like growing up in New Orleans, I'm a Saints fan. Can't really claim the Titans. I know there's a little buzz around there, maybe there's a MLB expansion team coming to Nashville. I don't know, but I'm I'm excited about some hockey, and I did not expect that. <laughs> well, Coop, Coop, do you know the rules? Do you know the hockey rules? I don't, but that's what I'm I'm kind of looking forward to. Like to me, I'd rather learn that in person. You know, I'm not I'm not going to go do my research beforehand or anything like that. It's go, it's going to be a very organic process. My relationship with the team. Well, the thing is, once you start watching it and you understand it, then it becomes a lot more easy to consume. And I mean, this is a football recruiting podcast. We can get off hockey here in a second, but it is the sport with the most continuous action. Like there is not like football, right? Snap, 60 seconds later play like hockey, just like bang, 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 bang. So I appreciate I'm, I'm, I'm looking right now to see when Florida plays in Nashville because I'm 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 booking that ticket. I I appreciate like the rawness of hockey. I've been to two hockey games, one Predators game, one LA Kings game. And it's like, you go to that game and after watching like an NBA game or something like that. And like you said, one, it's nonstop Two, It's like watching these guys beat the hell out of each other in per like literally beat the hell out of each other in person when the gloves come off. That's a totally different experience that I really enjoy. Well, I like that about hockey. We got to preserve that. Well, well, so Coop, you got to promise me one thing though. So I played hockey growing up my whole life, and I hate when people come on or when people come on when people who aren't hockey fans go, "Oh, it's so hard to follow the puck." I hate when people say that. Like, no, it's not. First off, no, it's not. Okay. Second, second off, like you have eyes, just use them. You can't become one of those people. You got to promise me that you won't become one of those people. And if you are, don't say that to me. I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd be one of those people. I don't I've think never you heard would anybody either. say that. I don't think that, you will be either. But but people, I I hear people say it all the time, and that's like the one thing about hockey that grinds my gear. Or one thing about novice hockey fans that grind my gears. It's like 
It's not hard to follow the puck. Just watch. I don't want to be one of those fans that is like shows up with the jersey and is like, oh yeah, TJ Oshi, bro. And it's like, well, what about him? You know, like are you are you a legit fan or are you just like I, I wanna I wanna do the homework. You know what I'm saying? So I'm excited. There is a book. I am one of those guys right now. Anytime anybody says anything about the Preds, I'm like, yeah, man, PK Subban. It's my guy. They're like, what's up? <laughs> oh, man. I'll get on it, Drew. I got to do it for you because I know you You are a loyalist. Lance, I know you're you're in the same boat. So I feel the like Devils, I'm the one lagging behind. The Devils play the Preds in Nashville on the 13th of February. It's a Wednesday. Who knows? Um, Maybe I'll. Lance is there. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be in Nashville for signing day. I don't know when the first signing, the second signing day is. It's like a week after. Oh damn! But who knows? All right, I love the hockey opening. That's a good way to start it. Um, Drew, I tell you what, man, it, it was, you know, I had the moving truck come this weekend, and I'm thinking like, all right, beginning of August, which today is August first. But we've already had a huge run on commitments. It's like what's not what's left, but I didn't expect such a like notable weekend, you know, the last weekend in July. And obviously a lot of these kids are on campus and one of the last times you can get these guys on campus, but a lot of fireworks happening over the last couple of days. And you can't really begin that conversation without talking about Auburn, right? Yeah, well, let's get into Auburn in a second, but August 1st is here, so month-long dead period. I guess unless you play one of these opening games, you could bring recruits in if you're at home, like on the Thursday night. What would that be, August 31st? I, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but uh, ran the numbers this morning, Cooper. 80% of the top two four sevens committed, so 199 of the top two four seven. I... That feels high. Does it not feel high? I think you and I need to do a better job. Not you. This is me. But I think what we need to do is put a note to the side. And this is something that we need to timestamp going forward. Yes. Second thing um, that jumps out to me. 44 Power 5 programs have over 15 commitments. That also feels like a lot. That's a new stat. A new relevant stat, one that I don't think you and I have really talked about much before this year. Okay, so can we get it? Because fired that off to a few different people. I'm about to tweet it out. Like the senior evaluations have become a fraction of the process for the collegiate side, right? Now, I know a lot of people are going to point to, well, hey, there's going to be flips. There's going to be movements. Sure, but yes, there could be. You could part ways with one or two guys, but man, what you have committed is is what's showing up, right? Who benefits from that, though? That's my question. Who benefits from the fact that the majority of these Power 5 programs are more than three-quarters filled up? I don't know. I can tell you it's like pouring gas on the transfer portal, though. You know, my yes, that's one thought. The other thought to me was... You know, I was putting in some grades of some unranked players <clears throat> in a couple group of five commitments as well. Okay. They recruited that level too. And there was a player from Alabama that committed to South Alabama over the weekend. And I thought about that. And here's a guy that I put up a pretty high three-star grade on that I'm like, 
it it didn't compute late July, South Alabama. And this is a guy who's documented athlete, good player with production. And here he is pulling the trigger on South Alabama. And I kind of look through our rankings right now. And I'm just looking through my territory, even, you know, a couple high three-star grades on a couple group of five players. Roy in there as well. I just, I don't know. I think about that and I think who's going to benefit are these guys. Are these guys landlocked a little bit? Well, I think, I think with the accelerated process, right? Like why do the senior seasons matter? I mean, how many of the prospects that we're, we, we consistently discuss are multi-year starters at the prep level. Yeah, sure, some of these guys come in, they play as freshmen, start as sophomores, start as juniors, but at some of these bigger like national high school programs, I mean, sometimes you're you're log jammed behind guys that are upperclassmen going to power five programs. So all I'm saying is, look, this is the reality. I get it. Recruiting so accelerated. I mean, you have to take these guys when you do, but we are missing a huge key component. I mean, we are talking about 16, 17, 18-year-olds that are going to go through a physical maturation that are going to be more comfortable in their skin. And if you're not even – like there's going to be late bloomers that are going to slip through the cracks. And, yes, they're going to end up at these group of five programs. But with the way it's structured, hey, I mean, I guess you go to the group of five program, you have a good season, you can always transfer up. But I, I just think with how the calendar is set up, it is – only going like the transfer portal numbers are not going down like they are only going to go up because guys are going to get on campus certain places and coaching staffs are going to be like well this is not what we expected and now we're going to over recruit you well i think you make a great point but like to me acceleration in any type of process whether it's doing your homework when you're in elementary school or whether it's trying to build out one through 25 in your recruiting class the less time, the less educated you are in making that decision, there's a higher risk that you're not going to get the answer correct. And like you said, it's throwing gas on the on the transfer portal in two different ways. At the Power 5 level, you are forced to make decisions earlier in the process that then will come back a few years down the line in terms of the turnover, and at the group of five level, maybe you have some players that are forced to commit to a place like South Alabama, Troy, or Southern Miss, but one or two years in, all of a sudden, there's an opportunity for them to play at a higher level. So it's twofold a little bit. And it is interesting because I don't think a lot of people are kind of talking about this. You know, it, it like it feels like now there is a natural break in the recruiting calendar where it says coaches in it. Listen, I, I talked to one or two head coaches over the summer that said this, we'd like to be the majority of our class filled out before the fall. And it allows you to focus on not only on field, but Drew, you, you bring it up all the time, the two transfer portal windows. And you have a better idea of how to really assess your roster going forward. Just some food for thought, but let, let's talk about all these commitments because it was a, you're moving. <laughs> it, it, like I got done with the 2025 top two, four, seven. I was like, I, I, I'm exhausted. And 
man, I mean, some schools dialed it up over the weekend. I, I don't think anyone did it bigger than Auburn with Big Cat Weekend. But it feels like, didn't they already have a Big Cat Weekend? Was this Big Cat Weekend 2.0 or? I thought they had one at the be- at the beginning of June, but this was like the big big cat weekend. Big big cat. Big big cat. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like the name for that. But Perry Thompson, number four receiver in the country, he flips from Alabama to Auburn. This was a this was a big one for for Hugh Freeze. Perry Thompson had been committed to Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide for over a year. Auburn had kind of been nipping at the heels of Perry Thompson for quite some time. This felt like the momentum had kind of shifted, and you're you're waiting for that domino to fall. That's what happened with Perry Thompson, and then Perry Thompson, I think the next day, was asked, "Hey, what what was it between Alabama and Auburn that ultimately ultimately made you feel comfortable going with the Tigers?" And he talked about Hugh Freeze's track record developing receivers, which I think a lot of people thought that was interesting because obviously. You look at Alabama and you can go as far back as you want to since Nick Saban's been there. But a couple of the names recently, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, John Mechie. I'm sure I'm missing a few. Um, and then Hugh Freeze. Andrew, you and I kind of talked about this, especially when it came to the case of Perry Thompson and, and Cameron Coleman before he committed to Texas A&M. He's done a really good job with bigger body receivers. Right. Laquan Treadwell, DK Metcalf talked about Dante Moncrief, even though that seems like a while ago. So it's not like, you know, maybe it's a little bit apples to oranges, but it's not like you freezes. You know, I got I talk about spoon to a gunfight. I didn't think it was that. I think he maybe had a a knife. Well, (laughs) I don't really disagree with what perry thompson said and i know you're kind of paraphrasing there and i do think we need to give a shout out to the guys at auburn undercover um the 24 7 sports auburn site like wall-to-wall coverage jason caldwell christian clement i mean they were all over it all weekend i I don't know if they were set up inside that new ipf but they had like video interviews i mean kudos to them they they crushed it from a a coverage standpoint but perry thompson you mentioned laquan treadwell dk metcalf like if we had to kind of like throw Perry Thompson into a pool of wide receivers, like he fits those two. He is a big man child. I saw him at the battle Miami event back in January and it was like, Oh my God, this guy is is huge. He almost looks like a, a linebacker. I mean, he is over six to over 200 pounds and he is a linear deep threat, which is exactly what Laquan Treadwell, DK Metcalf are. He might not be able to take the underneath stuff and turn it up the field and, and break a bunch of tackles, but man, he's going to get down the sidelines. He's going to track the football. So I think if if he understands this, he realizes that, he goes into the Auburn facility and they are pitching him on being the next big perimeter playmaker, uh, deep ball threat for them. I, I think it makes makes a ton of sense. And, and, and Perry Thompson, he is faster than he is. He is quick. I think he was seven Oh three in the 60 meter dash this past winter. That was third at the Alabama indoor state track meet. Um, so a, a monster addition and, and Coop, I was doing some, some research this morning. Did you know Auburn has only had 2000 yard receivers in program history? They haven't had one since 1999. And I'm not saying Hey, Perry Thompson's going to be a thousand yard guy in the SEC, but 
I did think that was notable. And, and, and the Tigers have had some wide receivers selected and gone on to the NFL, but this is a position where they needed to kind of improve and, and get a difference maker. And, and Perry Thompson, in our eyes, is obviously just that. And you pop on the highlight tape for Perry Thompson. Dude, he makes plays at safety as well. Like, he is a big back seven defender that, that gets to the football. I think he had three interceptions uh, as a junior. So, love the get for Auburn. I had kind of in my head circled Cam Coleman as like the five-star receiver Hugh Freeze was going to get. Uh, early on, I, I go back to like when we were in Atlanta for the Under Armour camp, Cam Coleman was like talking about Auburn and how much he talked with Hugh Freeze. Obviously, he's now committed to Texas A&M, but they got one of them, Perry Thompson. So I, I think it is a huge get for them. And that's coming off a week before where they flipped to Marcus Riddick from Georgia, right? One of the best linebackers in the country and a guy that uh, composite five-star out of the state of Alabama. So they're doing a really good job in the state of Alabama. I haven't even mentioned – Malcolm Simmons, number 33 athlete in the country from Benjamin Russell. What, what's your take on him? Because he is Alabama's state champ in the long jump, triple jump, 24-1, I think, in the long. He's an interesting – he's he's a, a bit of a messy evaluation, I think. Like, I'm glad you him as an athlete, yet like he's a he, receiver. He's not a clean projection. I've, I've seen him live. And, you know, the other thing I think about is Riddick – and Malcolm Simmons both work with a seven-on-seven in a, in a training program out of Montgomery called All Gas. So there is that connection there. And Malcolm Simmons is a guy that I've seen the last two years, and he's worked out at receiver. My thought with him has always been, wow, I can really see this guy playing on the defensive side of the ball. That being said, the leaping ability is exactly – what you said it is. I mean, you said all state. How does that correlate? Six eight in the high jump, twenty four one in the long jump, forty five feet in the triple jump. And if you do, if you're not familiar with those numbers, which I would assume a lot of people aren't, like those are top. 10%. Those are elite. That is like jumping out of the gym. Uh, so he's an elite leaper. And then on top of that, you know, twenty two four one in the two hundred, which isn't bad. But he is more of a straight line, vertical type of player um and i felt like at times he was playing running back he was playing receiver yeah. he was playing quarterback like he was playing db and you couldn't really get a feel for the player but that being said in state with that type of athletic clay i gotta take, take him. him and you figure it out you know and i really like that I like that take and I like that philosophy from Auburn. It's like, don't, don't, don't overthink it. It kind of made me think about Russell Gage, who's now in the NFL, but played at LSU. And they didn't know what he was, but he was an elite level athlete who did a lot of different things. You get him in the program, you figure him out. LSU really didn't even figure him out. They put him at the receiver position. Now all of a sudden the guy's been in the league six, seven years. Right. So Malcolm Simmons, in terms of the, the, the physical clay to mold is elite. Now what he's going to be on the field, that's going to come down to Auburn and their ability to, to develop. I think with those guys, it's, you got to have a plan, right? Don't, don't move them from position room to position room. Like let him spread his wings in the receiver room. And if it doesn't work out, then, then make the change, but don't, don't try to do too much 
or or move those guys around because I think a lot of times when guys get to college and usually it's staff turnover or or coaching changes like they just kind of get lost in the shuffle so I think the biggest thing is is having a plan um some other things I wrote down on Auburn 10 commits from the state of Alabama I think that is certainly notable right them just to have that much and I think they only got what 16 15 commits or something like that I mean just to be doing that well in state and then Marcus Davis, the receivers coach, who I, I believe was the primary. I know he's the primary on on Perry Thompson. I, I think he was the primary on Malcolm Simmons. They also got another wide receiver committed, uh, Bryce Kane, 10-8 guy in the 100-meter dash. Marcus Davis was on Chris Hummer's 30 under 30 list last year. Uh, he was at Georgia Southern. I had to rank a lot of Georgia Southern commits, and I thought their wide receiver class was loaded. Um, so it seems like recent questions and recent episodes have been about up and coming recruiters. Marcus Davis, who played at Auburn to get a cup of coffee in the league, name to know, young guy, um, good hire for Hugh Freeze, and and he's getting it done on on the recruiting trail. Drew, you brought it up. I mean, you look at Auburn's recruiting breakdown right now. He's 14 commitments to so rank number 17 overall. Ten players from the state of Alabama. You go to Arkansas for Walker White. And then Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee make up the rest. So that's a old school formula right there that I really like. And listen, when you when you're transitioning from a program that's trying to rebuild from the ground up, that's how you do it. To me, you go back to the basics, right? And there is a lot of talent in the state of Alabama. So I'm I'm excited to see them kind of get back to what they do. And Drew, you talked we we just talked about Malcolm Simmons. They had a really good evaluation on Joseph Joseph Phillips. Who they beat Georgia now for. A, who they beat jo- Georgia for. Amon Lane's another versatile back-end defender. Jaden Lewis is a guy with redeeming qualities. Malik Blockton I like a lot. It's another guy uh, from, from that Montgomery area. And then you mentioned Bryce Kane. And I like D'Angelo Barber a lot in terms of the versatility which he can give them. So to me, Alabama is one of those states that I think would surprise a lot of people on the national scale just how deep this state is with talent. And Drew, I know a trip that you, I want you on this year. You and I need to talk about this. We need to get with business affairs or whoever we need to talk about. But that Alabama Mississippi All Star game is completely loaded, and it's a really good indicator of just okay how deep both Alabama and Mississippi are in terms of talent. I'll add this. I have a lot of Auburn fans in my in my life and you know as this kind of weekend played out I was getting a bunch of text messages and I what I sent back is I think Auburn could have one of the bigger you know Novembers and Decembers like I think they are aligned from an NIL perspective when it comes to internal external it seems like they are aligned there and I, I think if Hugh Freeze can show some on-field improvements, it's it's kind of one of those situations where if you build it, they're going to come. And I, I go back to what Auburn did last season after Brian Harson was let go. I mean, Cadillac Williams was uh, running the program, and their visitors list was insane week in and week out, and the fan base was showing up for those recruits. So. I think Auburn is one of the scarier teams 
when you when you look towards what they could do over the next few months leading up into that early signing period. Remember when Hugh Freeze came in, I mean, they flipped a lot of big guys, Keldrick Falk, Kay and Lee. I, I just think it's setting up or Auburn can make a ton of noise down the stretch. And, and you said it only 14. I thought they had a little more, only 14 commitments so far. Like they're going to get up into the 20s. So I think they're a school to keep an eye on there. I mean, they're sitting at 17 right now, and they're one of the programs that I'm the most excited about. We we kind of know about the incompetence of Brian Harson and the way that he recruited during his short tenure at, at Auburn. Before that, Gus Malzahn, I felt like, was checkered. There'd always be a lot of big splashes, and it'd be a talented team. But in terms of top to bottom, it sometimes gave you wanting more. If Hugh Freeze can recruit like this, and we'll see how the rest of the class unfolds. And Drew, that brings me to my next point. I mean, they're in it, in the thick of it for KJ Bolden, number one safety in the land. They're in it with DeAndre Carter, number one interior offensive lineman in the country. Bradley Shaw, Saquon Patterson, Jared Smith. I know we're getting down the line here a little bit. Camarion Franklin was on Franklin, Monday, right? On Monday, was, five star for us. They're in it. And I can't remember. And you brought up Cadillac, and we got to give Cadillac a lot of credit for the way that Auburn was able to finish last year. He kind of set that train in motion. But I mean, if they're able to sprinkle in a lot of top end, legit caliber talent, Hugh Freeze can coach. They're going to be fun. They're going to be in the mix, and they're going to be like, you know, I could see it with like LSU and Brian Kelly last year. They just kind of all of a sudden they're moving again, right? And it's happening a little bit quicker than people thought. I'm trying to find the most up-to-date win total for them, but this is from a few weeks ago. Six and a half for Auburn win total. Like, dude, they get to seven on five, seven and five. This class is ain't falling apart. They get to six and six. It's not, it's not falling apart. So, again, I, I think they're a team to keep an eye on down the stretch. And yeah, DeAndre Carter, our number one ranked interior offensive lineman, Greg Biggins from from twenty four seven Sports. He he fired in a crystal ball pick this weekend. You brought up KJ Bolden, the five star safety out of Alabama, or excuse me, out of Georgia. He. George, the Bulldogs have the the four crystal ball picks, but it seems like a lot of a lot of kind of Auburn smoke. And he's going to announce August fifth. That is this upcoming Saturday. Zaquan Patterson, South Florida based safety, kind of back seven defender, going to do a little bit of everything. You know, I'm interested to see where his recruitment goes and just you know some behind the scenes at Chamadon Madonna Prep. The coaching staff there wants their kids to be committed before the senior season starts. So, you know, time is ticking there. And then Camarion Franklin, uh, the defensive lineman out of Mississippi, you know, he's been to Miami a bunch. He's been to Auburn. I think Kristen Clement from Auburn Undercover uh, wrote that Franklin had moved up his official visit. Now he's going to be there one of those first weekends in September and then make a decision. So, again, I I think they're a team to keep an eye on uh, over the next few months. A little bit of a sidebar here, but Bradley Shaw's recruitment is interesting, right? I yeah, 
top two four seven linebacker from Hoover High School in Alabama. Shout out two days. Visited Mississippi State on Thursday, Clemson on Friday. Dabo Sweeney is the only coach in the country that, that is offer. able to right the number five linebacker in the country, top seventy five prospect. Dabo offered him on Monday. You got to give him credit. I mean, they stick to their process. They know who they are. That I feel means like Bradley Shaw is who they thought he is. Tr- Trenton Simpson's recruitment, I think, was like that too. Like Clemson was very late to make a move. Right. I could see this is this is just feel. the The Bradley Shaw feels like. This is me putting two and two together. But if he's a Notre Dame type of individual on paper, but maybe he's wanting a little bit more, then I can see Clemson being a good fit for him. And that's that's not a shot at Notre Dame. That's just me saying maybe he wants to stay a little bit closer to home. I pick up what you're putting down there. Right. Because those two programs are, are similar in what they preach. Anyway, Auburn, team to watch. If you haven't been paying attention, now is the time to start doing it. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Guys, you're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple, include it. Mailbag this week. Is it Wednesday or Thursday this week, Drew? Thursday, Thursday. Thursday this week, we'll have a guest, Chris Hummer, on tomorrow to break down his 30 under 30 list. Be a great episode. Uh, Drew just uh, brought up uh, Marcus Davis, right? Yep. Receivers coach at Auburn, uh, who was on that list last year. Great way to get familiar with some of the top up-and-coming talent in all of college football. That is not only coaches, but all field support staff as well. So we're looking forward to Chris Hummer. Guys, keep the questions coming. We are. Lo- I, I, I am loving them. High quantity, good quality. I had somebody said, if you're called the Oyster Boys, why isn't your opening song Blue Oyster Cult? That, Corporate America. Friend, I believe would be copyright issues. <laughs> <laughs> so we can answer that one today. A little bit of preview of what's to come. Drew, Florida State, crazy weekend. You, you and Lance were texting me about the Charles Lester commitment, which just seemed absolutely wild number four corner in the country picking between florida state and colorado he's going to play with the Knowles. uh that one was broadcasted and god bless him by our team at 24 7 sports and then the flip from california number 12 offensive tackle manasseh atiti crushed it been working on that one alex atkins baby he's back our guy oyster boys favorite Knowles weren't done. They picked up another commitment, Tamir Hickman-Collins from over the weekend linebacker from South Carolina. I like that one. That one was kind of sneaky. 
But Drew, the uh, story here, the two top 247 editions, Charles Lester and Flippin' Manasseh Atiti from USC, which is, honestly, I did I did not see that one coming. Yeah, that, that was quick moving, right? And Manasseh had visited Tallahassee a few different times, but they, uh, I don't know if they twisted the arm or, or what, but we kind of wondered where Alex Atkins was this cycle. And then he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go get this like traits, traits laden offensive tackle prospect who's originally from what the Congo, right? Isn't he originally from somewhere in Africa? I want to say, um, Ivan, you were right with the Congo. Yeah. Congo. It is Congo. It is Congo. I must, I must be thinking of Jason Zandamilla. Yeah, he's Zimbabwe. Yeah, I thought it was Mozambique. No, Mozambique. Gosh, man. That's right. Remember we had that whole conversation about uh, Steve flying to Mozambique or something like that? <laughs> yeah, Steve didn't think that the 22-hour flight was that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, since you didn't see the commitment, Lance can maybe provide some context. I, I think we need to start a file of just the most ridiculous – commitment announcements because i think charles lester's was up there but i'm sure i'm forgetting about plenty of them and, and zach blostein for Knowles 247 is the one that was on scene it was like it looked like it was a park in sarasota somewhere on the west coast of florida and uh man that stream went on for a good 20 minutes and uh lance how would you even describe it yeah i mean Look, I am who am I to judge, right? These kids can commit however they want to, uh, to each their own, is what I say. But yeah, I mean, the pretty much he, there were four guys, there's four guys, white, shirts. four guys, all wearing white shirts with the Georgia, Alabama, Colorado, and Florida State logos on them. Someone comes in. I don't know who it was. It wasn't Charles Lester, but someone comes in the screen with a microphone and is like, is it Alabama? Kid turns around, there's an X on the Alabama shirt. Is it Georgia? Kid turns around, there's an X on the Georgia shirt. Is it Florida State? Kid turns around, there's an X on the Florida State shirt. Is it Colorado? Kid turns around, there's an X on the Colorado shirt. And you're thinking like, okay, he's going to announce, you know, he's going to pop out somewhere and it's going to be Florida State or Colorado. But no. There's like a 10 minute wait in between the reveal of these four <laughs> shirts and when he finally comes out. And the same song, I don't remember what the song was, but the same song like played over and, and over. Gonna, yeah, you think he was going to come out when it first started playing, but then they get through the song and then it just plays again and then just plays again. And you're like, all right, we've now heard the song three times probably a four minute song. So it's like 12 minutes worth of the same song. And then finally they open up the curtains and he was sitting, I think in what was like a throne of sorts yeah. and wearing a Knowles Jersey with the, you know, Florida spear. state spear of, of sorts. It was wild. And look, the stream, the problem with those streams is that there's so many people there probably using Wi-Fi or just on their phones. So it like interrupts the signal, but man, let me tell you, that was a wild, I, I had nothing else to do because uh, I'm not feeling well. Um, so I was pretty much laid up in bed. So I was just watching this commitment <laughs> for like 15 minutes and it was wild. My favorite is always when these commitments happen. And Drew, you've obviously been on the other side of this is just watching the, the audience chat 
just go to flames. And they're oh, like, yeah. come on, 24-7. What are we doing, guys? It's like, what, dude, what do you mean? Like, yeah, random well, guy jumps out with a microphone. That's that's know. the thing. Like, they think you're in control of the situation. And as much as you try to insert yourself as you are, you're at the liberty of whoever's running this thing. And most of these commitments, like, I've been involved in my fair share of them. Like, there's some event coordinator that they think, like, has experience doing this. And I'm like, this isn't like a bridal shower or like, a wet like this is a like live televised commitment so it just it gets thrown in a blender and you never know what you're going to get and then you have producers in your ear trying to make sure it gets sped up and it's it's like man you're just I mean it's crazy it's like that one time Carl Reed got like kidnapped right or like <laughs> that Cormani's was that was for the that was for the Cormani thing that was the whole like, <laughs> like Cormani yeah, second Carl? second commitment. yeah we didn't know where he wouldn't say like where he was going <laughs> to be or like where the commitment was and when it was happening yeah that is okay, and the thing, the thing is the thing about it is that like i watching felt bad i texted our chat and was like i don't know where they are i thought they were inside i mean you said you think they were outside yeah but whatever wherever they were it was so obviously really really hot and there were obviously a lot of people there which made it only hotter and you had these four kids standing in these white shirts that were like sweating like crazy and they kept just like wiping the sweat off their face. I felt bad. I'm like, dude, just announce already. So like you can put these kids out of their misery so that they can stop sweating and like either go inside or like get some water. But it was wild. It was, it was really, a, it was a well-earned commitment. Yeah, hey, good for him. That's what I faithful, you know? Well, that's, that's what I want to bring up. Like, I think this is a, this is big for FSU. All right, why? To me, as I watched that, and the longer this dragged on, I was like, this is not good for Florida State. And I, I think, you know, the inside intel had, had suggested FSU was, was going to win out. I, I think the guys at Knowles 247 were pretty confident. But, you know, there's been some recent announcements where things have turned at the 11th 11th hour Cormani McLean first time announcing for Miami would be one and as this played out and as this dragged out I'm like if you're a Florida State fan like you cannot you cannot feel good about where this is going just knowing who the main competition in the recruitment was it was coach prime Deion Sanders in, in Colorado and they did it two years ago with Travis Hunter uh they got Cormani McLean from Miami. Florida State really wasn't involved with Cormani McLean. So I think of as an FSU fan, like it's a little bit of payback, right? This was the big recruit that so far Colorado has circled here in the 2023 cycle, or excuse me, 24 cycle. Like this was this was the big fish that as of right now, Colorado had the best chance at. So I think if you're a Florida State fan, that needs that makes Charles Lester's announcement all that more sweeter. And Coop, we had that great question in the mailbag last week. Hey, where did we think Charles Lester fit in best? We, I think we both agreed on Florida State, just what, with what they want to do schematically on defense. So, um, you know, this is this is a, a, a monster pickup for them in, in the secondary. Someone that has a chance to be a potential corner one. Why is that important? Well, it's hard to find those individuals. We've seen Florida State go in the portal. Fintrell, Cypress, you know, go after some other guys. So 
Uh, really, really big addition. Lester, the player, I mean, he's over six foot. There isn't a ton of verified numbers on him, but he's a two-way guy. I think he could probably play wide receiver um, at, a, at a mid-level Power 5 program, but his future is on the defensive side of the ball. Guy that can go find the football. So uh, Florida State needs to, to, to be celebrating this one, and they certainly did on Friday night. On the other end of this, I feel like I have aged like 50 years since Deion Sanders has gotten the the head coaching job at Colorado. It just, it, it just feels that way. They, he hadn't even coached a game yet. <laughs> but he is in the headlines every week for a number of different reasons. Drew, this kind of goes back to – this is whatever. I'm bringing it up because we mentioned it one time. But, like, Colorado had the last OV here, correct? Well, Lester was in Boulder last week. He took an official – in in june and then he returned with a, a pair of teammates he, he was out there um checking it out so yeah uh, w- w- what i talked about you don't want the last visit you want the second to last visit i just feel like colorado once prime got the job had this initial surge which created a lot of momentum and then they've kind of leveled out and now there's this curiosity so what are we going to get on the field? Because they flipped more than two-thirds of their roster via the transfer portal with 51 new additions. And that's where I kind of feel like Colorado is right now. They're a little bit stagnant, it kind of feels like. Can I ask I'm you not, this? Can, can yeah, I ask you ahead. this? And this is just a theory. but. You bring in 51 new guys. Like, what is what is the, the pulse of the locker room? Like, what happens if Charles Lester's just talking to a guy that's been there? You know? Like, that would be a fear of mine. And, no and, sh- and sure, on the other side, well, hey, if you're scared of what the environment is, then we don't want them. It would be what the, the immediate answer is, but... Like, I think when there's that much changes, because Coop, you were on the other side, you, you ran recruiting weekends. Like when you guys had visitors, your player hosts were normally what? Like the same guys you trusted, correct? Yes. And they're your best recruiters. They they have an ability to tap in to a different part of the recruitment that no coach or support staff member can. They're your ambassador at the end of the day. And the other thing is you can't really tell them what to say. Right. And they're going to be, they're going to be real. So based off of their experience that they've had at your program, that's going to, that's what ultimately is going to be regurgitated to the prospect. And I'm not saying that's the case with Charles Lester. It's just something that uh, I begin to wonder about with Colorado. I also feel like you saw what uh, Dan Lanning said over the weekend, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Dion just taking – I wouldn't even call him strays. I mean, it. he is who he is. He walks with a big stick, and he can back it up as a player. And he backed it up when he was at Jackson State. Now time will tell. Can he back it up again when he was at Colorado? He certainly doesn't lack confidence. But Dan Lanning signed that new deal. 
not afraid to be taking shots. So anyway, Florida State drew more from Florida State. You got some tidbits. Elijah Moore apparently was awesome during one-on-ones on Saturday during the Seminole Showcase. We'll talk about him in a second. Luke Cromanoke was out there. Croman Hawk, excuse me. Tremel Jones as well. A couple other names. Roman Seymour, 2026. Armando Blunt. I'll tell you this. If you have not watched the combine tape on Armando Blunt, oh my goodness. Wow. I told you what the and, under what the Under Armour coach told was saying, right? No, worked. You may Armando, have, but I, I probably forgot. Armando Blunt, five star for us in the in the twenty five cycle. Uh, same Under Armour trainer that works all the camps. He told me Armando was probably the most polished guy he has seen since, or it was the closest thing he had seen since Walter to, to Walter Nolan out of all these camps recently. And Walter Nolan was the five star that's that's now at Texas AM. I, I just thought that was an interesting nugget from a guy who has no dog in the fight, but just you know puts the kids through drills. I, I was like, oh, okay, like filing that one away. I I believe him. Another nugget. Ohio State. Jeremiah Smith, number one receiver in the country, number two player in the land. He was in Tallahassee on Saturday. So, a little, but a lot to unpack. Elijah Moore, Drew. We like Elijah Moore, huh? Yeah, and uh, I was contemplating getting up to Tallahassee. Just just couldn't make it work with where I'm currently living and and just you know dr- doing the driving and. I wish I did, but Florida State had like a mini little camp session, I guess, on Saturday. They had a bunch of guys working out, um, just talking with the people at Knowles 247. They said Elijah Moore, uh, recent wide receiver commit out of the DMV. He was awesome during one-on-ones. Not surprised there. I mean, this is a kid we've seen on the camp circuit. We saw him out at the OT7 championship. I mean, he he's the real deal. Someone we're going to track closely here during his senior season. Uh, I, I thought it was just notable that both of their quarterback commits were throwing Luke Cromenhawk. We've talked about him uh, at, at length in this space, but Tramel Jones, the guy that got committed in 2025, you know, after kind of auditing all the 2025 arms in the country, uh, I think them taking Tramel Jones was a smart calculated decision. Not surprising to hear that in the same sentence with, with Mike Norvell and what they've been doing at quarterback. And then it just seemed like a good event. And, I think they are one of the only schools that held a a camp over the weekend on this final little, you know, break before preseason starts for everyone. And Florida State, they they seem to be about the evaluation process. I think it's a smart move. Get those guys working out. So uh, something that I like to see, you know, other people are just doing barbecues. Florida State actually had guys running drills and, and with the catapult system and all that stuff. And I think if you have the operation in place, in terms of you have your personnel guys, you're collecting that data, that stuff's in, invaluable, especially all those underclassmen, because guess what? We just talked about the senior evaluation not being all that important. Well, that that data you collected this summer is going to help you big time in 2025. And a year from now, they're not going to work out for you. Exactly. <laughs> That's the reality. So you you better get them when they're ready to come to campus and and show you what they got and are trying to earn an offer. So a lot of credit to them. I think Oregon had SNL, right? Um, yeah. This week as well. And 
We'll talk about them in a second. That that one obviously paid dividends for them as well. Drew, uh, a pair of notable quarterback decisions, and one of them is what we're going to talk about, and we'll go in the Pac-12. Maybe not the Pac-12 for too much longer. Arizona, Damon Williams, number two player in the state of Arizona. Number two or number three? Three. Number three, excuse me. Number 17 quarterback in the country, former Ole Miss commit, decommitted within the past couple of weeks. He's popping off to Arizona. He's going to go play his football for Jed Fish and in Tucson. And Drew, you and I kind of talked about this. We kind of saw the writing on the wall once five-star pass rusher Elijah Rushing decided to go play for the Wildcats. Is you know, our take on this was hey, all it takes is one, right? And you see what Jed Fish has done over the last couple of years. T Mac, I paused so much on that because I couldn't figure out how to say his name. Just T Mac. Um, we, we we know it. T Mac. Right out of Servite, Noah Fafiti, who they brought over with him, Keon Burnett. Now you got Elijah Rushing, Jaden Delora via the transfer portal. They've done a good job there. Justin Flo coming over from Oregon. Arizona, and I talked about this as one of those teams that has like, and it's really Jetfish, is fully just blown away all expectations that I had for him personally uh, in terms of his vision not only on the field, but off the field as well, and that being recruiting. Andrew, you and I talked about this when we thought it was a distinct possibility that DeMond Williams would end up in Tucson. He is a really good fit for what they want to do. That's exactly like what I was it, Yeah, it, it's it's not just like, hey, they got the number three player in the state of Arizona and it's good for the Wildcats. Like, no, like – this guy really fits what Jed Fish wants to do at the quarterback position. Absolutely. And when I was at, at the Elite 11 finals, when we were doing that wrap-up show, I think they asked us to name like fits we liked. And I think I said Damon Williams to Ole Miss. Like, I liked that fit. Well, I love Damon Williams to Arizona. I think with what they already have there, Jaden Deloria, like there isn't, you're not going to have to change things schematically. And for those not familiar with Damon Williams, 5'10, 170. All right. Not the biggest guy, but man, he is electric. 458 in the 40. He's also a kid that runs track, uh, state qualifier in the 200 meter dash. So you're thinking, all right, he is run first, but he's not run first. He's one of the most decorated passers in this class. He is 28 and five over the past three years. He's completed. He completed 69% of his passes for 59 touchdowns as a junior. If you go over that three years, over those three years, he's only throwing an interception once every 70 attempts. His yards per attempt is over 10.75. I mean, this guy can air it out. He beat, he beat Dylan Rayola twice last season, led his team to an Arizona Open Division championship. Really, really like this guy. I mean, if he was an inch or two bigger, he'd be much higher in the rankings. But I, I love the fit at Arizona and and Jed Fishman. Like talk, we talked about it with the Elijah rushing after that announcement. We discussed it a little about the, the possibility of Demond jumping in. Arizona, man, it's it seems and it feels exciting there what they got going on. I don't know if it's gonna be in the Pac-12 or the Big 12, but it'll be fun. Can I can I you throw this? Yeah, Wait, let ahead, me, I'm gonna throw this stat in real quick though. Really interesting for Arizona. Curious your guys' thoughts. You can talk about it. You don't have to. But uh, I got this from Director of Research Ryan McGrady. 
you know, when it comes to Arizona and, and in-state recruiting, right? This is the first time since 2005 that Arizona has gotten the number two of the top three players in state. It's pretty crazy. It's been like 18 years. The last time they got two of the top three were in two, were 2005. It was running back Terry Longbonds. I don't know if that's a name that rings a bell. Never and, heard of it. And Xavier Smith, both running backs. They were number two and number three players in the state of Arizona. But it's first time since 2005 that they got the top two or two of the top three players in state, which is, I think, saying a lot. Very notable. Is able to do. Andrew, because I was thinking about this earlier and I totally forgot it, I got to ask, who was that receiver in 1999 for Auburn? <laughs> uh, I had written it down, but now I got to find I'll find it. We'll okay. come back to that. We'll come that back just, to that. That was just. That so was on, Lance's, on, La on Lance's nugget, I think that's notable and why. Because this is the time when you want to be recruiting well in state in the state of Arizona. I think just with how things have changed on the West Coast, people leaving California, I think the talent pool in Arizona is only getting better. And I think this is the right time to invest in recruiting in your backyard. Here's my question. Bigger advantage for Arizona to stay in the Pac-12 or leave for the Big 12? especially with USC, UCLA leaving the Pac-12, it seems to be on just a very rocky foundation. Do you stay while you have momentum? And obviously this is a lot bigger than just football, but I, I wonder like the recruiting implications of, I don't, it almost feels like Jed Fish could rebrand his program going to the Big 12. It's a clean slate, right? That's kind of what I was, like. I don't really have an opinion on it. Like, Oh, the Big know. Twelve. The, the big. You listen to the national football media. Everyone is just trashing the Big Twelve, and it's a shell of what it once was. But me, boots on the ground, seeing you know some of the quarterbacks that would be in the league if if Arizona were to jump, and we're talking off the top of my head, that's three Elite Eleven finalists, right? You would have uh, the Texas Tech quarterback commit. Drawing a blank on his name. Why, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, you'd have Haas Haney at TCU, and then you'd have uh, Demond Williams at Arizona. Like I, I don't think the talent's that bad. Is what uh, what some are trying to make it out to be. I, I think it's more the land of opportunity right now. You got TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, all jockeying for position, and then you got the newcomers: Houston, BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati. I think their their future has yet to be to be shaped. And I think that's a good thing. I think Arizona and the Pick 12 would be awesome. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay. Akili Smith Jr., number five quarterback in the 2025 class, top 247 member. He commits to Oregon on Monday. Why is that relevant? Because, well, we just missed, mentioned SNL and he was a uh Live evaluation there, right? They had a bunch of quarterbacks there. Cherry on top. Who who were the, some of the other ones? I think Bear Bachmeyer was one. I know Michael Van Buren threw um, a few other names in the 25 cycle. I think Malik Washington, the kid out of DMV. Um, 
Brandon Huffman was there for us from from twenty four seven Sports. He he had a good rundown of Saturday Night Live, but it seems like they had a lot of arms, and Achilles was the guy they made the move on, or he got the green Drew, light. You're you're a big fan of him. I am, and and Coop, you saw him at at the Future Fifty. If if the name sounds familiar, I mean, it's Achilles Smith's son. Um, <laughs> we saw him at IMG Academy. I mean, he is. Was he might have been the tallest kid there, including all of the offensive linemen? I think they measured him at just over six foot five, pushing six foot six. Um, he's got he's got the tools, and I am a fan. I, I I think there's a a very high ceiling there. I think he is just now growing into his body. I actually talked to him before the future fifty. Like, were you always the biggest kid? And he kind of said, "Yeah," but early on he played a bunch of different positions before dad was kind of like, all right, you know, now's the time to start training to be a quarterback from the San Diego area, completed 67% of his passes uh, as a, that been a sophomore, 29 TDs, four INTs um, has a hoops background, wiry frame. I mean, he is, he is, uh, he's lanky. I think that's another term, slender, whatever you want. I, I think the tools are there. As I audited those 2025 quarterbacks, he he was kind of one of my favorite of the bunch and not surprised that Will Stein, the new OC there in Eugene coming over from UTSA, not surprised they made a move on him. So uh, I think this is certainly a notable addition because I'll say this, Cooper, and it's still very early, um, just not sure how strong the 2025 cycle is going to be at quarterback. And I feel like we could probably say that every year this time, leading into the junior seasons. I think we're going to know a lot about this this wave of arms. Um, but Achille, one of my favorite, and then Oregon just just getting him locked up right away, you know, before he could visit a bunch of schools this offseason um, and and experience those game day at, at atmospheres. Yeah, smart to, to get him in the boat earlier. You talked about that 2025 wave. Oregon's quarterback room, Interesting. Bo Nix gone after this year, and then you have redshirt sophomore Ty Thompson, who a lot of early expectations for, highly touted guy. And then after that, Michael Van Buren, Luke Moga. Drew, I'm not too I'm not too high on either of those cats. So I felt like 25, you had to get right. Get right, and man. I do. Th- it, right. And I think Moga can play a different position. You know, I think he's a good enough athlete that he can project somewhere else. Not trying to take anything away from him. I just thought that there's enough talent in that room. Now you have Ty Thompson, you have Nova Sad, who we like the developmental upside, going to need a little bit of time. Maybe we'll see what happens with Van Buren and, and Moga. And then you got Akili Smith, who, if Oregon plays it right, he can really kind of develop organically in that room. So, you know, outside of maybe one or two differences of opinion, I like what Oregon is is doing in that room long term. I thought it was also interesting. Achilles told me, uh, I kind of asked him, I'm like, all right, you can spin. And this is a question I love asking quarterbacks. It's, it's, it almost feels like I'm at the scouting combine. You get, you know, one week you can just shadow any NFL quarterback from the from the prep film study all that stuff like who would that guy be and he said justin herbert says that's who he models his game after he thinks they kind of play similar and obviously we know justin herbert's past so i thought that was a little cool nugget on him i thought uh, 
you made this player comparison in the past, but maybe it wasn't for Achilles Smith. But because you said the name, it made me think about it. He kind of reminded me of Josh Dobbs a little bit. That That's what I wrote on there. Yeah, Josh Dobbs. That one kind of stuck out. Um, and I'm not sure because I had that in my head subconsciously or what. But Drew uh, Adrian Wilson, number 22 receiver in 2025. He flips from TCU to Oregon. We don't have to spend a ton of time on him. He's intriguing, though. High cut, high waist. He he's a shade under six foot one, but he plays like he's six three. He plays big for his size. Speed, a little bit of a question mark. Was like a sub four eight guy on a rainy day. I I like the upside there. A um, couple other names on campus: Jason Brown, number six running back in the country. Blake Woodby, one of the top corners in twenty twenty five. Alvin Henderson making the trip all the way from Alabama one of the top-ranked linebackers in the 2025 class as well. And then Jakeem Stewart and Brandon Lockhart, a couple names to look out for in 2026. Um, Drew, we're, not, we're an hour into the show. We'll try <laughs> to wrap this up in the in the next 10 commitments, but there are 10 minutes. There were some big commitments like we talked about. And there's a, a lot going on. Aaron Scott, number three corner in the country. Ohio State-Michigan battle. He's going to end up going to Ohio State with the Buckeyes. Bennett Warren, number five offensive tackle to Tennessee. This one, to me, just kind of got lost in the shuffle. So I'm yeah. excited to talk about that one. Same with this one. Christopher Jones, number 10 linebacker in the country to UGA. Isaiah Garcia, top 20 offensive tackle in the country. He's going to Utah. Really like that kid for them. And then Alex Taylor from North Carolina. Great on-field fit. To the Tar Heels, number 26 receiver in 2024. He's going to stay home. So a lot going on there. Is there one that kind of jumps out to you? Well, two. Uh, Aaron Scott to Ohio State and then Bennett Warren to Tennessee. So let's start with Aaron Scott. We had Mark Pantone on the podcast a while ago. You can find it in the feed. And Cooper, you consistently referenced this, but them, he brought up recruiting locally guys in state, right? Just with the current kind of landscape and 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 where things are at with the NIL. Like I, I came out of that conversation with him thinking that they got to hit on the in-state prospects. They got to stay and play for Ohio State. And that's why I think getting Aaron Scott was so big for them. And Aaron Scott, you know, he brought out the Michigan bag. It looked like he was going to Michigan, pulls the Ohio State hat out. So you're beating your your rival, but again, it's it's a guy that's in state. Um, one of my favorite corners there in, in the cycle. Seven pass breakups, five interceptions as a junior. Um, can find and locate the football, turn his head. I think that is a trait or a skill that is oftentimes overlooked when we're talking about corners. Aaron Scott, one of the best that can do that. Loves to hand check, loves to check with his hands, puts his hip right on the wide receivers and, and and the most notable thing with him 77 inch wingspan he's got some some long arms and we know that's a, a huge indicator with the nfl draft so buckeyes are going to pair him with bryce west another in-state cornerback prospect top 247 kids so i think for ohio state i mean it's it's they needed to get that one done and they did bennett warren was the other one you mentioned and drew i mean what a massive massive get and what a massive human being Bennett Warren is. 
What's the six what are the measure? Yeah, what are the numbers on him? Six foot seven, three quarters, three hundred and thirty pounds. He carries his weight exceptionally well. Seven foot one plus wingspan, thirty six and three quarters arms, ten and a half inch hands. Big physical, nasty dude who plays tackle could end up moving inside, but for the way Tennessee plays, I see him at I see him at tackle at the next level. And, you know, we talked about this. Who was it? I think it was Jaquan McCroy, right? Who we talked about the the just width and the radius. Extends the, the arc. It, right. It, it's so difficult to get by a player who is that wide. But then you add in the elements of the athleticism in the foot and the body quickness. How do you beat those guys consistently? Off the edge. So Bennett Warren, uh, uh, not just a body either. Good athlete, multi-sport guy, plays basketball as well. This dude, Andrew, to me, is like NFL all over him. Like even before you even turn on the tape, right? And then you watch the tape and you say, okay, this guy's got it. Big pay. And, And for Tennessee to go to Texas, dude, it just seems like. Texas is open for business right now, the state. But if I'm Texas or if I'm Texas A&M, how? Yeah. Come on, man. You can't let – you cannot let – there's not a lot of dudes that look like that guy, whether they're in Texas, California, Georgia, or Florida, regardless. There's not a lot of guys on planet Earth that look like Bennett Warren. Here's my kind of, I know we're trying to go fast, rapid pace here. Like my quick reaction to Bennett Warren to Tennessee is you you start going through the recent lists of signees. And I, is he, is is Bennett Warren a pure left tackle prospect? I I don't know. I mean, I, I think he is. I, but bottom line, I think he is their most promising tackle prospect that they will have signed since. Darnell Wright in the 2019 cycle. We all know what happened to Darnell Wright, top 10 pick in the most recent NFL draft. So I for for that alone, it is it is huge. And just in terms of you need to get corner protectors, especially with what you have committed. We, we always we've been talking about the uh skill talent, the wide receivers, the t- the tight ends, like Got to also get it done on the offensive line. So I think, in theory, Tennessee can pencil him in as kind of the as kind of the dude. And now they don't need to go to the transfer portal and 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 get those offensive tackles like they've been doing in recent years. So certainly notable. Um, I'd even put the Texas angle together like you did. Drew, the last one here I want to touch on: Christopher Jones to Georgia. You turn on the tape, and there's so much to like about this guy. He can play. He's got on-off-ball ability. I like his ability as a situational pass rusher off the edge. He tested better than what we thought. He's kind of a guy that's kind of shot up the board recently. You can see why Georgia likes him and obviously why he ended up in Athens. Through the last five linebackers either signed or committed for Georgia. Are you ready? Raylan Wilson, C.J. Allen, Troy Bowles, Justin Williams, Christopher Jones. I don't think people really understand. I couldn't, I, I tweeted it or, or zeded it. I don't know what you call it now, but 
but I said I'm running I'm running out of ways to describe George's linebacker room. It's like 30 for 30 stuff. I mean, these dudes are are freaks. And I people are so numb to it. Like we had this with Alabama at once. It's like, but people don't even react. Oh, we got another five star. Oh, we got another four star. Great. Load them up. Let's go. Who's next? It's a it's a it's a faceless name. You're just expected to go in there, produce, get developed, and play in the NFL and represent that program. And it's like, this guy's a dude. The four guys before him were a dude. And the fact that you can get all these guys in the same room and they got the right DNA that they're not going to shy away from the competition is kind of like, it's astounding to me. And it's a little bit of a marvel. And I just think we don't really appreciate it because we expect it. And that's not the way it should be. It's big boy recruiting. I mean, they lost to Marcus Riddick and then Christopher Jones is in the boat a week later. We still still got Chris Cole out there, right? I know. Who's a Georgia lean? Who's a freak of all freaks that you love? I know. There's big boy, and then there's just what they're doing. Yeah. Christopher Jones, you mentioned the testing. The one number I want to throw out there is the the L drill, 698 at 220 pounds. That's cooking. Not too shabby. Cooking. Cooking. Georgia Bulldogs are cooking. Have you ever seen that video of Minwo Lee on the PGA Tour? Does all his own social media? No. Hashtag let him cook. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on Minwo Lee. He's the homie. What uh, what tournament do we have this weekend? I don't think anything, man. Managed to get out of the house yesterday. Get a range pass at the local public course. You're out at McCabe. Give me a little head nod. I'll be out there. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, Drew, any final thoughts? Good? I felt like that was a lot. Dude, it was a lot, but it was a good it was a it was a lot of information. Yeah. And I think I, you and I honestly were like an old married couple. We didn't we didn't work together on Thursday, right? No. Or Lance Friday. came in as the pinch hitter or Friday. Sometimes you just need a little space. Breathe. Energy was good this morning. New location. Talk a little hockey. Not strictly transactional. It's a good show. I found the receiver for Auburn. Last thousand yard receiver. Ronnie Daniels. Guess where he's originally from? Florida. Mm. Polk County. Had a, played for the Patriots, Dolphins, and then Wrapped up his career with the Grand Rapids Rampage. Never even heard of that. Heard of that? Yeah, I think I. Re- yeah, I didn't remember the Dolphins or Patriots, but I remember. I remember the old mixtape from the Grand Rapids. <laughs> what was the name of that team? Grand Rapids Rampage. Ra- Rampage. This is an Alan True's neck of the woods. There you go. Are they still active? I don't know. It might have been the team Jarrett Lorenzen was on. What league is that? Arena football. It is. But I, th- I, I did see something that arena football is coming back. 
Or they changed league names. I, I, Orlando has Our a producer team. Lance is back in here. What do we got, Lance? I don't. I don't think arena football is active anymore. There used to be a team, the Philadelphia Soul, that was opened by or that was founded Bon Jovi, owned by John Bon Jovi. Um, and I think uh, what's his name, Jaws, Ron Jaworski, owned that team too. Um, but, Shout out New Orleans Voodoo. Yeah, I don't. I don't I, think it's see, around I, anymore. I would, it's I a would, league that kind of comes and goes, though. Like I feel exactly. like one year it's closed, and then the next year, like, oh, we're back, and then the next year, oh, sorry, we're only here for one year, and then oh, two years later, we're back. Wow. So they are coming back after a four-year hiatus. Arena Football League returning in 2024. 16 markets. Who funds? Did you guys ever watch? Did you guys ever watch those games on like ESPN? They used to have them on yeah. back in the day. I think I had a birthday party at the Orlando Predators when I was a child. <laughs> ESPN 8, the Ocho. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, we boys, need, let's get we, out of here. We need to get into this league. They're going to have teams in Orlando, Philly, and Nashville. They're coming Lance, to Smashville? Lance, you're close to Philly, right? I'm like uh, I'm like an hour from Philly. All right. Yeah, it's in your backyard. I'm getting everyone gear. In my backyard. <laughs> Guys, we appreciate you listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Remember, mailbag uh, episode is Thursday this week, so you got an extra day to get those questions in. Make sure you do it. Appreciate you guys sending those in. Remember, tomorrow, Chris Hummer, 30 under 30. Lot to talk about. 30 names to talk about. We'll go through them each, I think, uh, the majority of them. If not, make sure to subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify. Guys, Lance, you want to give a little context? What did we have, over 100,000 downloads last month? Yeah, I think we were just under 110, but we're up from obviously the month of June, which was like 103 or 104, uh, but we're up. And that's the goal, right? Keep growing, keep getting bigger, keep expanding that reach, and uh, that's what we're doing. This ain't no hobby. Guys, we appreciate you listening to the show. We'll see you tomorrow.